good Saturday morning. Uh, welcome to another edition of For the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. And wow, what a glorious Saturday morning. Man, have we just been blessed with some serious spring weather. What a change in a week. We had some great rain. And boy, have the plants responded. Um, if you look out there, I, I was amazed driving in this morning. How unbelievable the plants have changed in just a week. I mean, last week I was driving by some of the forsythia. They still had a bunch of their nice yellow blossoms all over them. Today they're completely green. Very few blossoms left on them. The The shade trees and the flowering trees are starting to just explode. Um, the maples, the leaves are expanding. All the oaks have finally got some leaves, which are usually a little bit later to, to leaf out. And the apples and crab apples are just in full glory. Um, amazing, amazing flower right now. I haven't seen apples and crab apples look this good in quite some time. Um, and with the great weather we're going to have uh, over the next few days, boy, they're just going to show unbelievable. In the nursery, they're just bursting with color. Uh, but out in the landscape, they have just just a spectacle to see. So take a moment today when you're out, stop and check out some of the apples and crab apples that are around. Uh, weeping cherries last week were just amazing. They're starting to pass now, but boy, they gave us a show also. Um, small leaf rhododendrons, you know, azaleas. I saw the first large leaf rhododendron starting to show color uh, on the way in. And that's kind of a little bit early. Uh, our 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 small leaf rhododendrons are typically right around now, but with this great stretch of weather, we finally got temperatures above freezing. Above freezing at night, we're in the mid fifties. It looks like for the rest of this week week coming up, uh, unless the extended forecast going into Memorial changes. But boy, it's time to plant. Uh, all of you. Lovely customers that are coming into the garden center are now saying, that's it, I'm done. It's time to plant, and you are buying in droves, and we appreciate that. Uh, but there's a whole host of different things going on in the garden. The perennials have woken up, and my bleeding heart is just amazing right now. And this is just such a, a great old-fashioned plant. Uh, it's about two and a half feet tall right now in full glory. Uh, it, it just is showing all of its color, that beautiful heart-shaped flower. Such an old-fashioned nice plant. If you don't have one, it to me, that's one of those traditional plants that should be in every garden. So uh, make sure and come into the garden center and check those out. Don't hesitate to call. I have no guests today. I'm all on my own. I decided that this week, that's it. You got to call in. So call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255 if you don't want to listen to me talk for two hours. No one wants that. Come on, folks. You can call in. Um, certainly any question, doesn't matter what you have going on in your garden, I uh, would love to talk to you, and if you are a little bit shy and don't want to call in, don't hesitate to send us uh, a message on Facebook or at our website at estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple things this week. Uh, number one, roses. 
we've got a little problem on roses. Uh, we've got a rose borer that's been attacking roses. And uh, actually, this week, uh, Cindy Williams and I of uh, Channel 6, WCSH 6, uh, taped a spot, and it aired last night um, about roses and how to prune them and the rose borer problem. If you want a picture of it, you can uh, see... Uh, you can see the actual bore on the on the on the on the uh, segment we did, so you can visit. Uh, I had a little problem uploading it to our Facebook page this morning, but you can certainly uh, go to WCSH six website and probably a keyword would be your garden to search for that. Um, I did find it last night, and I think it came off pretty well. It definitely shows the borer problem, but. What we're going to talk about a little bit is this borer, okay, and a few signs you should be looking at. Number one, get out there and prune your roses right now. Important to kind of take them back, uh, take some of the old canes out, um, fertilize, and then we may need to apply some insecticide also if you find this borer problem. What I found is the oldest stems, you will see open holes at the top of the stems that is very evident. And the insect actually is in the stem, and it is actively boring down into the plant right now. It will go all the way into the root system and kill the plant eventually. So it's important for us to be proactive and try to prune this out. You know, if you can prune it out, perfect. If you don't think you can get all of it, which in our case on the roses that we had at the garden center, I didn't feel like we could. There was quite a bit of activity there. Uh, we may end up having to replace these roses. But these uh, are knockout roses, which are typically very disease and insect resistant. But like anything, you know, uh, insects can attack at any time. And so... We used a product called RX Rose Care uh, by Bonide, and it's a systemic. And on the segment, I show how you build a moat around the plant, how you apply this, you know, systemic insecticide so that it doesn't run off, and how you safely can apply these types of products. And this goes for any real systemic, um, how you should do this and how it will safely soak into the root system and be taken up by the plant. So take a look at that. We'll try to get that on our Facebook page probably early in the week. Unfortunately, my cousin John is not in the office on the weekend, so uh, we'll get it on there probably for Monday. I'm just not that tech savvy. But, uh, you know, wanted to talk about, uh, you know, pruning your roses. Get in there get pruning, and also fertilizing. You know, use the Espoma Rose Tone. Important to get that fertilizer on now, and then probably about another six weeks. And in six weeks, you should start to see blossom. You should start to see buds set. Uh, by then, it's really time to fertilize a second time. Obviously, Mother Nature has kind of some of that to kind of, you know, whether or not the rose pushes on fast enough, but we have been fairly dry, and the roses in, in the gardens at, at Estabrooks have been a little slow to come out, and partly because we haven't been watering yet, and uh, we just started watering because we just put down a bunch of our fertilizers on some of these things, and so all of a sudden, within 
a few hours, we started to see leaves emerging from the stems after I pruned. It was amazing to see the difference. Uh, if you're coming into the Yarmouth store today, I can certainly point those out. I will be in the Yarmouth store all day today, and I will be in the Kennebunk store all day Sunday. So, you know, certainly you can come visit me. If you want to, we can talk about the show. If you have other questions, don't hesitate to ask. Um, certainly give us a call, 775-1310. And uh, we're, you know, on roses, everybody thinks that there are a lot of maintenance. And believe me, I've been on that train for quite some time also. I remember old-fashioned roses and tea roses, grandifloras, Gosh, the powdery mildew and the pruning and all of the problems we had with them and main conditions kind of give you this awful situation with black spot and all these problems. I'm here to tell you folks we can start using roses again. I've been won over by the knockout, the easy elegance. You know, the David Austin still take a little bit more, but boy, the fragrance... And I think it's important that we start working some of these roses back into the landscape. They give us such huge bang for our buck, um, huge amount of color all summer. Anybody who tries a knockout rose will want other varieties. I do like the sunny knockout rose. It's a nice butter yellow uh, fading to a cream yellow. Good flower power along with all the blush pinks, reds, and other colors. The other series I really like are Drift Roses, and I also like the Easy Elegance. And we also have Sunshine Daydream, which I really think Sunshine Daydream is more like a traditional tea rose, but actually holds up better. Has less problems with disease and insect issues, but good fragrance. And then the Madelins have been around forever, and we have a wonderful white Madelin that's new this year that is just unbelievable. The fragrance is unbelievable and just such a great, great, great um, bloomer. So roses, get them back into the garden. It's time. One thing I will recommend with any rose, don't crowd a rose. Give it plenty of airspace. Don't plant your perennials right up close to it. Give it that three by four uh, space it needs to re reach its potential so that you don't have disease and insect issues, especially disease. You know, anytime we crowd roses, we put a bunch of plants around them, we hold moisture in around the stems, that's when you start to create problems for roses. So good airspace, good pruning in the spring to thin out the plant will make a huge difference. So certainly it's time to get out there and plant your roses. Uh, certainly if it was me, I would do it this weekend. And I'm going to plant some roses in my garden this weekend. Uh, I'm going to surprise my wife. She's home visiting uh, her family, and I hope she's not listening because she probably she went to the Yankee game last night. So hopefully she's still sleeping and not listening. Uh, she's a Yankees fan. I'm a Red Sox fan. I know that's kind of tough to picture. My brother and his wife are Yankees fans. My mom is a Yankees fan. And me and my dad were the unlucky two. I'm not sure who's smart in the family. 
because they've been much more successful than we have. But luckily, lately, we've had a lot of success. So go Sox. And we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on Newstalk WLOB. We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine soil, Maine climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the Independent Garden Centers of Maine at MaineIGC.com. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Maspoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com slash videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. And welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. We're talking roses today, and we have Sean on the line. Uh, he has a question about rose. Sean, good morning. Oh, good morning, Tom. How are you today? I'm doing well. Good. Um, I have a, um, a location in the back of my yard that I'd like to put a rose bush. Um, it's kind of uh, it's wet, um, kind of shady. Do you recommend you know shady places or or no for roses? Well, you've got kind of the two conditions that are really, really tough for roses. Wet feet or wet root system and shade. They really don't go well in either. If you have a situation where you can at least get six hours direct sunlight, um, I think that's that's a good place. Now, we can deal with the the wet feet by raising the plant up and maybe making a raised bed. So we can kind of come in and, and make a nice mound, probably six by six, something like that, or even make a raised garden to kind of get a bunch of plants up out of that moist soil. The soil will kind of almost suck the moisture up into it a little bit, but you probably need to raise it, you know, a, a good six, eight, ten inches uh, out of that moisture. Otherwise, you'll have a lot of root rot problems on roses. And you may also have more fungal issues because of the moist soil staying consistently wet and getting kind of that black spot like we were talking about earlier, having good airflow around. Um, moisture can be a big problem. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling. And folks, please don't hesitate to call. We like to have you call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Um, can... 
also send a message to our website, estabrooksonline.com backslash radio, or on our Facebook page. We'll be checking that periodically throughout the show. And we're going to talk, we got some other questions that have been submitted this week. And one's from Tim from Freeport. And he's having problems on his fragrant viburnums. And I'm sure a lot of you folks out there, fragrant viburnums are just starting to look amazing right now. That beautiful fragrance, that nice pink flower bud opening to a nice white, very, very sticky sweet. You know, I love them by a kitchen window where you can open up the window at this time of year and just that smell of spring starts to waft through the house. It's about a week or 10 days before the lilacs really start to become fragrant. Certainly, depending on the variety, some are a little later, but I have noticed a bunch are starting to bloom now. And I also noticed a few that the leaves are all getting crinkly. So... Tim's question is, why is, why are my viburnum leaves curling? I can't see an insect. I don't think it's a disease. And, you know, this problem kind of shows up every year in the spring and then disappears again in midsummer. Am I doing something wrong or is there something I should be looking for? Well, Tim, great question. This is one that we always, about this time of year, start seeing folks come into the garden center with a little branch clipped off their viburnum and the leaves are just curled right up. And it's a it's an insect. It's a leaf curler. It's very, very common on fragrant viburnums. We don't see it too much on a lot of other things. But the Carlesii type or the Mayflower viburnum and all of their hybrids like Berkwoodi, Judai, all of those types, Cayuga, if you have any of those varieties... They're very susceptible to this. It's an insect that is somewhat tough to treat. A systemic works the best. A tree and shrub insect control by bonite is a good way to go. Like we talked about in the rose segment, building a moat around the plant so when you water it in. The tough thing about it is once the leaf is curled, we can't get any insecticide into that leaf. And the insect is on the inside of the leaf. It will emerge later on and disappear. That's why the newest growth doesn't continue to get the problem. It's mostly on the older growth. After, say, a month, the plant pushes through of it, through it, and then goes on to its glory throughout the summer. The problem is the insect will be back year after year, and it will get worse and worse. Eventually, it will start to be a detriment to the plant. So we do want to create a situation. The other situation of how we can treat this is with a oil spray before the plant leaves out in the early spring. So we can go ahead, spray that down with a dormant oil. It will actually smother the egg casing and it will kill it. You can spray that either in the fall once the leaves have dropped or before we get any leaf expansion or bud swelling in the spring. Dormant oil is very important that we use it in the proper way. A lot of times you will see it will be all season oil will be the name on the bottle and in the instructions it will be for dormant or for in season and they are different rates in which we mix that. If you use the dormant rate during the summer when the leaves have expanded you will burn the plant. The rate is too high especially on a nice sunny day, bad to use oil anytime, whether you're using an organic uh, insecticide that is oil-based, 
you know, or any of the oil type sprays. Never use them in the hot, hot sun. Always early, early morning or right at dusk. I prefer right at dusk. It will sit on the plant kind of overnight. We become a little bit more safe for the bees by not spraying in the morning, and you get much more penetration of the chemical. So dorm oil is another way to go, but great question. Certainly one that uh, we've had a bunch of customers starting to come into the garden center with problems. So please don't hesitate to call. 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We're here until 8 o'clock. And man, what a day. I'm looking out the window right now and there's not a cloud in the sky. Looks like maybe there's going to be a little bit of shower activity this week, but that's perfect. It's a perfect scenario to get out and plant on a nice, beautiful, sunny day. And then we've got some nice overcast days. Something important I want to make sure people understand, when you are getting out to plant and you've come to the garden center, you've bought all these beautiful things, all of these plants in in many respects have been in a greenhouse. And it's important to me to, to explain a few things we do to make sure the plants start to get acclimated. The last two nights we have not heated any of our greenhouses. We have rolled up all of our sides to our greenhouses. We've allowed the temperatures to get down to 45 degrees at night. We've started to hard up, you know, get those plants hardened off so that they're ready to go outside. Now, can we completely do that for you? No, because they're still under cover. So it's important on a few things that we take, you know, extra precaution. Water your plants very thoroughly in the container before you plant. I think that's always important. Because what ends up happening is you you will saturate the root system before you plant. Secondly, it's important that we turn around and saturate the ground after we dig a hole. So when you dig a hole, since it's fairly dry right now, water dig the hole, then water the hole in. Okay, that gets water below the plant, and the roots will search for that over time. Third, when we go to plant, we're going to go ahead and backfill with nice soil around them, mix it with the soil that's coming out of the hole, and then we're going to water, water, water. Probably a couple times the first day, get them good and saturated, and then after that we'll start to pick up and fertilize periodically. And I'm primarily talking about annuals when we're talking about this. Our hanging baskets are hung on the porch important at this point that we start to fertilize them and consistently fertilize. A lot of folks don't realize how much fertilizer annuals take. We constantly feed our, our, our annuals in our greenhouses. We use a light solution, about half the rate of what you normally would do if you watered every other week. What this allows them to do is continually stay vegetatively growing and setting flower buds. Especially some of the nice proven winners, uh, like Andy Aiken had talked about when he was on the show a couple weeks ago, that fertilizer was the number one thing for his line of plants. And I do recommend that you heed that. Make sure and, you know, use fertilizer so that you get more and more blooms, especially on super tunias. They are the most unbelievable feeding plant 
Petunias love fertilizer, and the more you feed them, the bigger the blossoms, the better the blossoming. And, man, do they get nice and big and full and lush. So time to go ahead and get planting. But it is a little dry out there, so make sure and get the water down. Blue hydrangeas. We've talked about this numerous times. We're talking about when to prune. It's still not time yet. Okay, I, I've explained to you time and time again out there that you can go ahead and take maybe some of the dead tips off right now if you know they're dead. My blue hydrangea at my house is leafing out right to the tip right now. I am amazed. There's very little dieback this year. The bloom should be amazing this year. And I actually just put my second fertilizer application on a couple days ago. So I did it around April 1st, and I've done it six weeks later. And so now we're really starting to see the leaves emerge. We've been very lucky. We have not had much for frost, and so we, I'm, I'm not seeing the frost issues we've had on them like last year. And I'm sure the apple growers are just absolutely ecstatic right now because last year they took such a beating when late, you know, such warm weather and then terrible frost. And we saw the same types of problems, a lot of damage on blue hydrangeas last year. This year they seem to have wintered quite well. Um, if you have questions about blue hydrangeas, certainly don't hesitate to call. Call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Um, blue hydrangeas have always been tricky. If you have pruned them back last year in the fall, that's okay. They're not going to die. They just may not have as many blossoms as we l- would like. But we've talked about this numerous times. And you can also go back into past shows. And we do have the podcast. You can get that at estabrooksonline.com. You can go back in and you can listen to some of those past shows if you've missed them. And Blue Hydrangeas we've, was one of the first shows we talked about them. And how the steps of how to prune when to fertilize we'll be bringing that up along the way just so that you we start to ingrain how to go ahead and prune these i want blue hydrangeas to to do well here in maine and that's been one of the biggest problems we have all these hydrangeas now that they're telling us are rebloomers have you know will bloom on new and old wood but still the best way to get good blossom is still off of that old growth so keep hesitate on on pruning and we're going to get bigger and better blossoms i know you're out there working in the garden today uh if it was me maybe i'd be out in the garden right now but you really should be listening to us right now so uh if you can give us a call 8775-1310 we've got another question here that came in over the week um and the question is from john and Wyndham. And uh, he has a problem with his creeping flocks. And this is a pretty pretty consistent problem we have. Um, and I had emailed John to see if he might call in. If you're listening, John, give us a buzz. Uh, and we can talk a little bit more about it. But creeping flocks, he has a nice patch of them. I'm sure they're in their glory right now. Uh, beautiful colors, you know, everything from pinks to lavenders to blues, uh, white 
Creeping Phlox is kind of a staple. Uh, we sell a lot of them. Great ground cover. Uh, important to keep good water on the plant throughout the summer months to keep it nice and green. Uh, it can t- tend to yellow up if we don't keep enough water on it. The more we consistently keep moisture in the summer months, the better the plant does and the more blossoms we have for the following season. But John has a problem where grass is growing up through it. And grass and creeping flocks, if any of you have had it, it's a very, very tough thing to get out. And he, his question is, you know, I have flocks growing. I've got grass coming up through it. He's been handpicking it out for quite some time, but it seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. Is there anything you can do to get rid of it? And what's the best way to try to achieve that? Well, John, it, it's, it's a tough scenario. You know, with all of our ground covers, there's only one thing we can do. Well, there's more than one always. But getting in there and, and, and being proactive when the grass is young is important. Having a very clean spot when we initially plant is very important also. But this is the situation we're in. You have grass in there now. I have a product called Over the Top. Over the Top is a selective herbicide that will work on ground covers. Now, I want to caution you because anytime we're in this scenario, it kind of makes me scared. I have not personally used this product, but we've sold it for a number of years, and I have some customers that use it on Pachysandra and Vinca, Junipers, um, Creeping Flocks, that absolutely swear by it. Now, we always need to follow the label, and on the label it always says, use it on a small piece of the project. Don't spray it over the whole area. Try it, test test it on one area first. And I always heed that warning on anything we're doing because plants can get damaged very easily. Over the top, I have heard and have many customers that use it that have excellent excellent success, and it will take out the grass. It won't take out you know, all the other things, you know, if you have dandelions or other things in there, it's pretty selective just to grass. So that product, I would recommend you try on a small area, see if it works. If it does, I probably wouldn't recommend doing it when it is in full bloom. Um, Let's wait until it greens back up. Um, Then, you know, the blooms are past. We can test a small area. We can always, if that gets damaged, we can take that out and the plant will rebound. Um, But I think at this point, getting the grass out of there is extremely important just because, let's face it, it's really, really hard to get grass out of creeping flocks. So we're going to take a quick break. I'd like to thank John for the question. We'll, We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth-life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. 
Earth Life Nutri Mulch is nutrient stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800 4 Compost for a source near you. If you think a rose is a rose is a rose, you haven't seen the roses at Estabrooks. If you've been intimidated by roses in the past, those days are gone with breakthrough varieties like Knockout and Easy Elegance. Roses have never been easier to grow and more disease resistant. Add the beauty, fragrance, and sophistication of roses to your garden this season with a little help from Estabrooks. Now open in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. When it comes to a stylish home, your garden is the ultimate accessory. There's no better way to dress it up this season than with Hort Couture Tropicals and Annuals from Estabrooks. These chic and stylish selections are brand new this year and offer exotic blooms and foliage that have never been seen before in Maine gardens. A fun and fashionable garden is just moments away with Hort Couture, now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and it is a beautiful Saturday morning. Going to be just a fabulous gardening day. I'm sure the nursery will be packed today. We'll be having a lot of fun with uh, all the customers and and their choices. It's been a a very, very fun week. Uh, Customers are excited about all the different new material we have this year and the horticulture line is just been fabulous we've talked about it numerous times on the show now but the horticulture stuff is just flying off the shelf so if you want some new material something different new combinations we've got a whole bunch of patio pots that are all planted up and ready to go so you can buy hanging baskets that match the pot that sits on your step along with the plant that's on the patio it's kind of one-stop shop we've got big tropicals like mandevilla and diplodenias we've got hibiscus uh we've got beautiful beautiful stephanotis and if you don't know stephanotis it is the most fragrant vine uh, plant that's a tropical. You see it in Florida all the time, but the fragrance is just amazing. Put that in a pot on a trellis with some annuals trailing down. Just unbelievable fragrance out there on the patio or, or deck where you're uh, entertaining. Great, great fragrance right at dusk. Absolutely a must for hummingbirds uh, and and just overall great, great plant. But the Horticulture annual material is just flying off the shelf. We're already sold out of some stuff, which is kind of scary because it's so early. But that's what happens to the new material. You know, we don't grow huge numbers on our newest product. And the reason being is we kind of need to test it out. And we build inventory on those new items over time. We don't just go out and buy and, and grow 5,000 pots of a specific tune, petunia until we know you really, you really like it. And some of these items, we're really starting to see the how much they are 
attractive, you know, and when they're new to us, we want to see how they perform also. So some of these items we used last year in in, uh, some of our containers and whatnot, and we just received this week a bunch of 2014 annuals, imagine that, 2014 annuals to trial. So we have those in our greenhouses. We just potted them a couple days ago, and we test them out a bunch of this stuff. The proven winner folks have sent us a, a, a bunch of varieties to try, and we always like to kind of test them in the in in the pots, see how they're going to grow, see how they're going to react. And a lot of times, us as owners, we take them home and put them on our patios and in our containers to see how they work and how they bloom, whether they're going to provide the right situation for you as customers. So we're putting a lot of effort into some of those things. Our suppliers are sending us samples all the time, and we're planting them up and trying to get a gauge of how they're going to perform for you. So Proven Winners has done that, and certainly we'll be receiving other suppliers here in the next few weeks. But it's time to start veggie gardening, and we've been talking about this for weeks now. So hopefully at this point we've kind of had a checklist of things kind of going on. Hopefully you've had some time and you've prepared your soil. Hopefully. Secondly, hopefully you've been able to start getting some of the seeds in the ground like peas and beans and some of those things. But what I want to talk to you today a little bit about is to seed or not to seed. That's kind of the question. Every year we have customers coming in and they don't want to deal with any type of vegetable seed. To me, it's really important that people understand how easy it is to seed some of this material. And that some things really aren't meant to be bought in starts. But we still sell them in starts because we want people to be successful in their vegetable garden. So a few things that we want to make sure people understand they should be seeding are beets, carrots, beans, peas, some of your leaf lettuce like masculine mix and whatnot, radishes. Now, radishes are something I want to talk about a little bit, and I think we've talked about this in in the past. When you're seeding in some of this stuff, you can use a row cover, okay? And what it is is it's kind of like a cheesecloth-type product. Um, Radishes get a maggot that bores into them. If we cover our radishes with this cheesecloth, we have no problems. We don't have to use any insecticides. We don't have, have any problems. All we do is bury the the actual row cover okay on all four sides and then we allow it to emerge and the plants will grow underneath that when you want to harvest you just lift back the row cover you harvest what you want and then you cover it back up and bury the the edges we did this for years um, down in our garden and that helps keep the maggot off of there okay and what with radishes, you know, there's nothing better than a fresh radish on a salad, in my opinion. It adds a little bit of spice. If you like that crisp, spiced in your salad, and fresh, it's nice because you go out, you pick three or four, you put them in the salad, it can make or break a salad. My grandmother absolutely loves radishes. It's her favorite on a salad, it, but it's tough to get them consistently at the market or at your grocery store. So something I would consider you know, doing very low uh, use, very easy to come up. But 
important for people to understand how to seed a lot of those things. The big problem that most people have is they plant seeds too deep and they don't care for them a bit when they're young. After they get going, it's less, it's kind of just like buying a tomato plant from the garden center and planting it. It's not as much care. Seeds, basically, you want to plant them probably more shallow than you do deep, okay? Certainly on, you know, a lot of your small seeds, they want to go in probably the upper half inch of soil. So very, very shallow. The deeper you plant them, the tougher the germination is. So something like carrots and beets, you want to be quite shallow. Something like beans and peas, we want to be a little bit deeper. A general rule of thumb is, you know, a bigger seed like a bean or pea, you know, you're probably going to be an inch, inch and a half in the soil. For very, very small seed, you're going to be more like half an inch to a quarter of an inch in the soil. Now, as soon as these plants start to emerge, we need to be very careful about water for probably about a week or 10 days. After that, you know, we should be good to go resume about our every other day watering, every third day, depending on Mother Nature. Once they start to get a lot of leaves and and green type growth, then certainly we want to go ahead and, uh, well, add some fertilizer, like garden tone to the sides, and then continue watering throughout the season. Everybody seems to be a little bit scared about vegetable seed. And I think it's because we just don't spend enough time on the front end making sure that the conditions are right. If you need to, you also can go ahead and cover them with that row cover to protect them from a little bit more sunlight and add some more uh, you know, protection from wind and whatnot. But I also want to talk to you about what you really shouldn't be seeding. At this point, we're getting kind of late. Tomatoes, don't even bother seeding them at this point. It's just too late. Peppers, peppers love heat, warm weather. They really, 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 you should buy starts at this point. And when when I'm talking about purchasing starts, and when I say starts, you know, coming into the garden center and actually buying a plant all ready to go, buy the biggest plant you can afford. Peppers are one that I always recommend you buy the biggest plant you can. We we have some in one-gallon pots. They've got three plants in the pot. Don't split them apart. There's many different funky varieties, you know, everything from like super chili to, you know, really cool different hot peppers. You only need one of those. Maybe your your regular green bell pepper that you're going to use time and time again. Maybe you buy a six-pack or two of those because you're going to want more volume for your, you know, to maybe freeze or, you know. But one hot pepper is going to give you enough hot peppers to stay warm all summer, okay? Uh, I had one in a container that just exploded with peppers last year. So uh, that's the other thing. You don't have to do all of this in a garden. You can do it in a container. You can do it out on the patio. Mix some annuals around the base of them. Have the pepper in the center of the plant so that you get some height in your container. And then around drooping down over the container, maybe put some alyssum in there. Maybe put some thyme and some other herbs in there too. 
Um, I think it's important to understand that, you know, spending the time and energy on the things that you can do successfully is very important. Certainly give us a call if you uh, have a question, uh, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We're talking vegetables right now. Certainly a lot of questions about vegetables. Don't hesitate to call about your garden, problems you've had in the past or whatnot. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. And welcome back to the Joy of Gardening. Uh, I'm Tom Estabrook, your host, and we are getting close to wrapping up the first hour. If you have a question, please don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We're here until 8 o'clock, and boy, the first hour kind of went awfully fast. I'd like to thank Sean for calling. If uh, any of you have a question, please don't hesitate to call. We're... uh, In the next hour, we're going to talk about a whole host of different things. But right now, we're talking about vegetables and what to seed and what not to seed. And, you know, don't be afraid to try things out. Now, come into the garden center and talk to us about 
how to seed things. The nice thing about when you get comfortable with seeding in your garden uh, vegetables is you can get many more crops throughout the season. So you can have lettuce throughout the whole season. You can have some great beet greens. You can have spinach. You can have all these different things that really are not grown in containers. But we also were talking about what not to seed. And at this point, peppers and tomatoes are are a definite do not seed. It's too late. Peppers, we talked about a little bit about using them in a container, but also buy the starts. And like I said, buy the biggest one that you can afford. Eggplant is another thing. Another thing. Don't seeded at this point. Eggplant is such a warm loving plant and in our climate it takes a long time to get fruit. So again one larger plant will outperform six smaller plants. So when you look at purchasing an eggplant think about buying a bigger plant. It really will help out. Um, Eggplant from a six-pack a lot of times we won't get any fruit until end of August early September from a larger plant they're already starting to bloom and set uh fruit so you're going to get probably fruit a month to six weeks earlier the warmer the spot if you can use a black plastic or a plastic mulch down for peppers eggplant and tomatoes they will definitely respond to warmer soil temperatures so if you have a cold spot that only gets parts on you might consider doing that to warm up the soil also tomatoes always important to go ahead and plant them deep. I want you to take off three, four, five of the lower leaves. I want to dig a hole extremely deep. And probably when I plant my tomatoes, I only have three to four to five leaves on the top crown showing. What I do is I dig an extra large hole, and a lot of times when you come into the nursery, the plants are, you know, six, eight inches tall or maybe taller. The deeper you plant them, the better. The roots will come right off the stem, and you'll have a stronger root system. So dig a hole eight, ten inches deep. Water that hole first to get water saturated down. Backfill the hole about halfway. Water it again, and then follow that process until the plant is completely full. Once you've planted it, water it again, get it good and saturated, and then all those roots will, you'll have a root system that is down a good 8, 10 inches. And that's important for a tomato, and the nice part about that is you won't have to water that plant as much for the whole season. You can do deep waterings because you've got root system that is down 8 or 10 inches. So you may have to water your tomatoes maybe once every 3 to 4 days compared to if you plant them very shallow, you will have to water almost every day. And the root system will stay more on the top of the plant, on the top of the ground, and certainly you know not do as well. Certainly it will provide fruit, it will grow well, you just will have to do a little bit more maintenance. Other things that I would recommend you go ahead and work with as far as buying starts, broccoli and cauliflower. We usually don't need that many plants. Now if you're a master gardener and you really have a big garden, say it's you know 30 by 40 or something, a very large garden, you may buy some starts for broccoli and cauliflower and then you may seed some of your own. Broccoli and cauliflower, we want to spread the plants out a bit. We want to make sure and have good spacing, probably about one plant every foot. 
And the nice part is we typically don't have a lot of broccoli and cauliflower in our garden. Now, my wife loves broccoli. And we bought a new house last February. And all spring, she's saying, when are you getting the garden ready? When are you getting the garden ready? When are you getting the garden ready? Oh, boy. Uh, I am working a million hours right now, as you probably would imagine, owning a garden center. And my wife is being very patient. Uh, we have a excellent deer population, so I need to fence my... my uh, my deer patch, which my vegetable garden will be. But I want to talk to you a little bit about what will be coming up in the next hour. Um, we'll come back to the vegetables to start. We're going to talk a little bit about how to fence your garden from deer. We're going to talk about how to start to prepare a new garden. We'll finish up on what I think you should use in the garden from starts and or from seed. And we're also going to talk a little bit about... Um, you know, weed and feeds on lawn. You know, those dandelions are going crazy. And we're going to talk a little bit about Memorial Day. You know, we're a week away from Memorial Day weekend, and I think it's important for us to kind of talk a little bit about that. And we're also going to talk a little bit about um, something that that uh, I heard last week from our good friend from Kinsella Organics, uh, Chris. You know, he had a topic that he wanted to kind of talk about which was, you know, important to me. And I think it's something that we'll definitely spend a little bit of time on. And his statement is green instead of screens. And I think this is going to be an important topic. I want to kind of elaborate upon what he said. I think it's kind of one of those items where we really need to talk about how we missed a generation of gardeners and how now it's really, really important to get our kids involved. Even if you're not a gardener at this point in your life, it's always time to start. And I think it's important that we start to train the next generation to be able to vegetable garden, enjoy flowers, enjoy their yard, and certainly be able to go ahead and enjoy gardening. We'll be back on News Talk WLOB. I'm Chris Foster. And welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. Second hour, beautiful Saturday morning for any of you that are joining us and finally waking up and having a cup of coffee. Probably could use another one at this point, but I'm excited to be here. The sun is shining, and of course, let's face it, the leaves are just expanding. Everything's growing. It's time to get out there and gardening. We've been talking about some vegetable gardening and what to seed and what not to seed. And a couple things I want to kind of talk about is tomatoes. We've been talking about how to plant them, plant them deep, all of that. But blight is a big issue whether it be early blight or late blight or blight in general. Blight is, you know, a disease that attacks tomato plants. 
Very, very devastating. Obviously, we had a lot of problems a couple of years ago. Uh, we, there was a big concern that blight was going to also attack our potato crop in Aroostook County. Luckily, it has not. But blight is something that is carried over in the soil. So I want to make sure that folks are rotating where they plant their tomatoes. I know customers are coming in constantly asking about blight and what they should do. Are there resistant varieties? And yes, there are some resistant varieties, but for the most part, if you have blight, even the resistant varieties are going to get problems. So I like to tell people, rotate your tomatoes in a different spot every third year. Okay, so if you have a garden, one year it's going to be at the left-hand side of the garden, one year it's going to be in the middle of the garden, and the third year it's going to be on the right-hand side of the garden. So you're, every third year it will be in a different spot, and then you start that rotation all over again. That will help protect and make sure that you don't build up blight or other diseases in your soil. So rotating where you plant things, don't plant things always in the same spot year after year. And we've talked about this numerous times. If you have a question about vegetable gardening or anything else, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. And before we went on a little break there, we were talking about my vegetable garden, and I have moved into a new home and have to get my garden actually started. So... I haven't even done anything yet. I mean, I haven't prepared soil. I haven't put up fencing. I haven't even rototilled. I haven't even killed the weeds. I've been so busy getting ready for all of you folks to come that I haven't had time to get my garden. So if you are in the same boat, you still have time. Don't think that it's you know paramount that you are ready to plant this weekend or next. Vegetable gardening works better when the soils are warm. So I'm not concerned. I will plant my vegetable garden in June. I do pretty much every year since I'm so busy. I will miss out on some early vegetables like peas, which I love. My wife is not a fan of peas, so it's not a huge priority of of mine. But she does love broccoli, so I'm going to need to get that in the ground as soon as I can. But what I want to talk about is prepping that garden. Now, you know, I have a grassy field that I'm going to have to regain from my vegetable garden. And I have a huge deer population in my yard. I didn't see any this morning, but like I talked last week, you know, there was three or four of them standing out there when I decided to come to the show. And the turkeys were out there. And, you know, so I have a lot of wildlife. I'm going to go ahead and have to get my garden prepared. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to go ahead and mow that grass down as tight as I possibly can. Um, And kind of a funny story, I still haven't mowed my lawn completely. I've been so busy. I've been getting home at 7 or 8 o'clock at night. My wife misses me. And uh, it's been one of those springs where it's just been great. I've been working really hard and haven't had a lot of time for a lot of things. But what I will like to say is I went to go mow the lawn last night, and my lawnmower decided that, well, I should have done more maintenance or something because, you know, I did everything right. I put it away properly, whatnot, but something is wrong. So I'm going to have to take that in to get fixed. But in the meantime, I'm going to need to get this grassy area squared away. So 
I'm going to mow it down as tight as I possibly can. I'm going to get that grass down, and then I'm going to spray it to kill all the grass. And, you know, a lot of people would be concerned about that because it's a vegetable garden and, and whatnot. I'm not concerned due to the fact that it's going to go in and it's going to kill all the weeds, and I'm going to let it sit for probably about three to four weeks, okay, um, before I till it. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to kill it dead, and that will give me a clean slate for my vegetable garden. It's very important to start off if you're having a new garden to start off with a clean slate where there's not a lot of weeds. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to actually kill all the grass down, and then I'll be able to rototill all of that in. The number one mistake a lot of gardeners do is they rototill in all the grass into their garden. When you do that, what ends up happening is you just inoculate your whole garden with all the weeds. You break all the weed seed. You break all of those root systems into the garden. You till it into the upper eight inches, and then what happens? All the weeds just keep coming up all season. So if you feel comfortable, we have a couple different options. We have a product called Burnout, okay? And it's an organically effective uh, weed control. Okay, now burnout is something, the only problem with burnout is it will not kill the root systems. So it's a longer process in order to kill the weeds. We may have to kill three, four, five times before we actually get a clean slate. So the weeds will pop up and we'll have to spray them. It'll kill the top growth but won't kill the, the roots. It will weaken them and then it'll pop up again and we'll have to spray it with the burnout again. And this will take a three, four, five-week process in order to go ahead and kill everything in that garden dead. There still may be some other weeds that will pop back, but you can probably cultivate those effectively. So burnout is a great organic way to knock out the weeds, clean up a garden before you till. Obviously, I'm behind the eight ball. I'm going to use a little bit more aggressive tactic. I have a fair amount of noxious weeds in my field you know everything from horsetail to sedge to a bunch of stuff it's a fairly moist soil i'm going to amend with some great compost lighten the soil with some soil perfector also which is that ceramic product that we talked about in past shows uh, soil perfector is great for breaking up clay which my soil is quite heavy so i'm going to go ahead and add that at the same time when i till so I'm going to start off, I'm going to clean up, you know, everything. I'm going to wait probably three or four weeks. Everything will be nice and dead. And then I'll go in, I'll add the compost, I'll till, I'll till everything in. Then I'm going to wait about a week. And the reason I'm going to wait about a week is I want any other germination to happen. So after I till, there'll be dormant seeds that kind of start to think about reviving themselves. And then I'll just hand cultivate those. I won't go in with another, you know, herbicide. I'll just go in and just hand cultivate them with my grandfather's hoe that I have at my house. It's the hoe that he spent thousands of hours in the garden, vegetable gardening with. It's a beautiful old hoe, one that I I love to use. I was out actually weeding in my... Uh, my garden bed out in front that my beautiful wife and I got married in front of last year in, in August and uh, weeding around my apple trees and whatnot. And, you know, it's something about a good tool. You know, 
always buy the best tools you can afford. That hoe has seen so many hours. It's probably 20 plus years old. If I ever break it, I'll be heartbroken and I'll take the end off. I'll get a new handle because there's something about it that I just love. It fits well in my hand. The weight is perfect. It's just one of those types of things. And also, let's face it, a lot of sentimental value. You know, I watched my grandfather weed row after row after row after row. And I told myself, I'm never going to vegetable farm the rest of my life. And I love vegetable farming for myself. It's just a very tedious thing to do on a large scale. So, okay, I've got my soil. I've tilled. The weeds came up. I killed them again. My compost is in there. I'm ready to plant. The problem is I got a whole heck of a lot of deer. I've got a bunch of turkeys. I've got a lot of other problems. So I need to fence the area. I recommend at least a seven-foot-high fence, deer fence, and I recommend that you do it on a good iron post or wooden post. You want something that you're going to be able to attach this to. I'm not going to take mine down in the winter. I'm going to actually go ahead and be able to open up one end of it. So I'm going to put wooden posts down three sides, and then the one side I'm going to use iron posts that I can pull out so I can back the tractor in and I can rototill and get access to clean up in the fall and whatnot. So think about the access down the road. If you're going to go ahead and build a deer fence, you want to have good access. You also want to think about if you have space to expand down the road, maybe use some posts that are more temporary where you might build the garden larger down the road. The areas where you can't expand, do something a little more permanent. Eventually, I plan to put a nice arbor and a gate and all of that. Time will tell what that all all will bring. But I got to get this garden ready for my wife. She's all excited. We got a food saver for our our wedding, and you know she's all excited about going ahead and and saving all this food and and us using it all winter. And I think that's what vegetable gardening is all about. And at the end of the segment, you know, we're, this week uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, how we need to get the next generation involved in gardening. We need to get food grown back in our own backyard. We need to be a little more sustainable. So we'll talk a little bit more about that also. So I've got my deer fence up. Everything's going well. And now I need to make sure I got I have the right seeds to put in the ground. So I'm, I'm going to purchase some carrots, probably some beets, spinach, lettuce, a bunch of other, you know, um, nice masculine mixes, maybe even seed some basil because basil is really easy. But the one thing, a bunch of those things I'm going to do, I'm going to put starts in also because they'll give me a lot faster return. So I'm going to plant some broccoli and cauliflower, but then I'm also going to probably seed a little bit too. So I'll have two crops. I'm going to plant some lettuce, but I'm going to seed some also, which will be a month behind what I plant from starts. So I'll get two crops. When I harvest the starts that are nice and lush and fully grown, my second crop will be seeded. It will be all ready to come up. And when I harvest the starts, I'm going to actually put more seed in the ground. So I'll get a third crop. So I'll harvest the starts, 
and then I'll clean up that area, cultivate, and I'll plant more lettuce seeds. So I'll get three crops of lettuce throughout the summer. Very important that you can crop rotate. Same thing with like spinach. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to go ahead and seed a row now. I'm going to seed a row in, in a month, and I'm going to seed a row month after that, and I will have spinach all the way into fall. And there's nothing better than fresh spinach right out of the garden. It's not like coming out of a bag. The taste is much more vibrant. You know, the color is amazing, and you can use it in salads. You can use it, you know, boiled in quiches and all kinds of different things. So, you know, vegetables are something that once you start in on this process, you will absolutely enjoy. Start small, be successful, visit us in the garden center. We can give you all the tips how to start and not frustrate yourself. Okay, I think that's the most important thing I want to impress upon people. With Vegetable Garden, we want you to be successful. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Espoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com slash videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutrimulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. back with more from the joy of gardening i'm tom Estabrook, and it's a beautiful saturday morning and if you have a question please don't hesitate to give us a call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255 we are almost halfway through the second hour where does the time go we are talking about vegetable gardening today, and I'm talking a little bit about prepping my vegetable garden since i'm so far behind um, don't feel like you are behind as I do, if you haven't, if you're not ready, I mean, it's fine. We've got plenty of time. You know, I would say if you get your garden planted by mid-June, you're in great shape. Even a little bit later is fine. The soil temperatures, as they warm up, the plants will adjust better and things will grow much quicker. So I'm not planting mine until sometime in early June. But 
vegetable gardeners are already going great guns. We're selling all kinds of vegetable seedlings right now, herb seedlings. It's time to start. If you are prepared, unlike me, you can certainly go ahead and start. A couple things I want to talk about. Our, our gardens are kind of a special place, and I love what I, I get out of my, my vegetable garden. But I, want to, I know not everybody has room for a vegetable garden. So there's a couple options you have. Obviously, we've talked in, in past about vegetable gardening in, in containers. And it's important to me that people start mixing in some of the vegetables and herbs into their flowering plants. It's a good way to kind of bring that into the home. If you have young children, it's an easy way to go ahead and start them with vegetable gardening. And if you don't have space or you don't have a sunny plot that you can go ahead and and prepare and have a larger vegetable garden, it's a good way to at least get things kind of going. And certainly the cost of herbs. The cost of herbs in the gar- in the in the grocery store just irks me. It's amazing how expensive they are and how little time they last. You know, it frustrates me when when in the winter we have to buy herbs, fresh herbs because I like fresh herbs. And you know, we'll we'll go ahead and we'll buy some cilantro or basil or whatnot. And it just never lasts. You know, it starts to rot almost as soon as you get it home. They say fresh. I don't know what they're saying. They should not say fresh herbs. They are fresh because they were just cut at some point, but they've been on the shelf too long in my opinion. A lot of these we can use and do a windowsill garden inside. So if you have space on a deck or or do some planters, you can always make some vegetables and herbs in those. But the other thing I want to impress upon is you always can go and rent a plot at a community garden. I think that's that's something that people don't realize enough. And some of the the tough thing is a lot of these community gardens have waiting lists. So you know, if if you are really interested in gardening, and your town doesn't have a community garden, I would get a group of people together and start talking with your local community and see if they have a place where you might be able to start one. We started one in Yarmouth a number of years ago, and I've got to tell you that I haven't been involved in in two or three or four or five years. It seems like ages ago now. But I was talking with Charlie, the head of, of the community garden, uh, not long ago, and he said just it has taken on a mind of its own. The gardeners, there is, you know, a huge area where people can rent, and then there also is a garden plot where people can volunteer. It's a great way to start and get in in tune with gardening. If you want to learn before you have your own Volunteer at a community garden. Go and help them weed, help them harvest, help them drop off at the food pantries. The Yarmouth Community Garden, I believe now, is the number one largest community garden in the state. Uh, We donate a bunch to them, and, you know, they've been very supportive of us. It is completely organic. Uh, with a list of organically approved products to use in it. And they're, I drove by just the other day, and it's amazing the creativity that is there now. There's beautiful 
pergolas out in there and obelisks and all these beautiful things that people have put in their plots to grow you know pole beans on and so it's not it's it's a great place if you're in the Yarmouth area the nice part about the community garden is it's just past where Estabrook's you know location is so if you're at our parking lot you would take a right out or drive right past us and it's about a mile down on the left you can't miss it it says Yarmouth Community Garden beautiful sign out there it's a wonderful place to go pack a lunch and have a lunch there's some picnic tables there the one thing is, if you have some free time, don't hesitate to contact them or contact somebody in your community that has a community garden. I know Cape Elizabeth has one. I know Kennebunk has one. Uh, I believe Scarborough has one. Uh, but get involved. Get involved. Give back to um, your community gardens because I think we're all giving back uh, and they're giving to the hungry in droves. So vegetable gardening, if you have questions, don't hesitate to give us a call, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Doesn't have to be about vegetable gardens. You can call about anything. Um, but I think we've covered vegetable gardens pretty well today. It's uh, it's something that obviously with Memorial Day coming up next week, we want to go ahead and think about getting going. And like I said, don't hesitate. If you're running behind like I am, join the club. We'll be fine. We'll plant in June and everything will work out just fine. So we're going to kind of move on. And at this point, we're going to talk about dandelions. We're going to talk about your lawns and the perception of weed and feed, herbicides, all of those types of things. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So dandelions are just going crazy right now. You'll see those nice little heads that are white right now. The seeds are spreading everywhere. The plants have just exploded. There's yellow flowers everywhere. If you see those white heads, we're a little bit behind the uh, eight ball. We probably should have mowed our lawn like I should have last week, but uh, didn't get there. So I'm not one that is too worried about having some dandelions in my lawn. I just, I, it's not a priority for me. I don't mind some weeds in my lawn. I'm, I'm not that meticulous with my lawn. I would rather spend time in my vegetable garden and spend time in my flower gardens. So I'm, I'm not too hung up on dandelions. I'm not too hung up on, on crabgrass and other things either. But many people are. So I want to talk a little bit about herbicides and weed and feeds and all of that because time and time and time again, I have customers come in that totally put these products down wrong. And if we're going to use a product, we need to use it right so that we have limited exposure. We also are putting something down that's going to be effective and that we're doing it appropriately. So this morning was a perfect scenario for putting down weed and feed. And it still may be when it's time that the store is open and you can come in and purchase it. This morning when I woke up and the sun was coming up, I noticed a wonderful dew on the lawn. To put down weed and feed, it is the perfect time to put it down. Okay, you do not, I want to stress this, you do not put weed and feed down right before rain. On a nice sunny day like today, with possible rain coming, you don't put it down and then it wash all away. Okay, weed and feed needs a good 
moist grass and a sunny day. So when there's a beautiful dew on the lawn, that's when you want to do it. Or just after a rainy day, and then it's going to be sunny for 24 hours. A weed and feed needs to have the granule spread on the leaf, and then it needs to dissolve. And then we need moisture in order to do that. Many times I have customers come in, and they want to spread it right before rain. Now, if you're just fertilizing, that's a perfect scenario. You know, if you're putting down a pre-emergent for crabgrass, that's a good scenario. But for weed and feed, it is not the case, okay? Basically, you need that moisture for the granule to dissolve. It dries on the leaf, and then it enters the leaf. Once it does that, it is sunfast. It will actually enter the plant, and it can't wash away. And that, to me, is the most important thing, you know, that we don't want these things moving around. There's been a lot of research on this, and with SunFast products, they enter the plant and then they stay in there. Now, your comfort level is certainly what you need to to take into account. I don't use any weed and feeds. That's fine. That's my choice. Every gardener has to make a choice for their yard. Um, Are they safe around wells? I have a well. I don't use it around my well. I stay well back away from my well with all my chemicals. I use organic fertilizers around that. I use organic fertilizer on my lawn around the well. So, you know, be a little cautious. If you want to spot treat your lawn for these broadleaf weeds, a liquid product is a better way to go, okay? You can spot treat. You don't have to broadcast over your whole lawn. If you just have dandelions in a small area, you can spot treat individual plants, put down a lot less chemical and be more environmentally friendly. I tend to do that. I can put it in a little sprayer. I can spritz every single little plant if I want, and I'm not broadcasting over the whole lawn. So it gives a good, happy medium of ways to protect from your dandelions and also be able to take care of the problem if you have an issue. If you're having problems with your lawn, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Lawns have been a challenge this spring. I can tell you driving around, you all have done a great job of fixing that plow damage. I've seen all kinds of nice edges to driveways and whatnot, and it's beautiful grass coming up. Uh, you know, make sure and keep all those newly seeded areas, keep them moist. I know it's starting to look green and it's looking good, but make sure and keep it moist throughout the summer. A little starter fertilizer, if you didn't put any down when you seeded, now would be a good option or time to do that. So don't hesitate to do that also. Um, when, when lawns continue to grow like they are right now, you know, keep them mowed quite high. You should be starting to set your lawn more for about three inches. The higher your grass is, the, the more competition for space the weeds have, and you'll have less weeds. So also if we go into a dry spell, you know, it will sustain drought a little bit better. Okay, so start thinking about mowing your lawn a little bit higher. Obviously, you've gotten out there and probably mowed at least once or twice. Uh, I'm behind the eight ball, as we talked about in this last hour, where uh, I need to get out there and do some extra work. But, um, you know, leaving your lawn high is very important. It will shade out the weeds. um, And 
make sure that you don't have any competition, you know, and letting the weeds take over. So, you know, certainly we're here till 8 o'clock. If you have a question, uh, give us a call, 775-1310. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back from more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and beautiful Saturday morning again. Boy, not a cloud in the sky looking out the window here at the radio station. And, man, what a fabulous day. Uh, hopefully Mother Nature keeps giving us weeks and weeks and weeks of this. And I always tell people, rain between 6 at night and 6 in the morning. That is a perfect scenario for a garden center owner and also a gardener. Uh, you know, getting out there, being able to garden during the daylight hours and and beautiful rain at night we're we've been talking a little bit about lawns and and uh weed and feeds and whatnot i'm not so stuck on on having a weed free lawn uh but many are and you know we talked a little bit about the tools in which to use i also want to talk about um lawn fertilizer organically so you know, we've talked about in the past corn gluten and, and the properties in which that has to limit weeds organically. We're past the point that corn gluten will do much for us for weeds. But it's an excellent fertilizer, so we can still use it as a fertilizer. And Espoma has come up with a nice, nice four-step program for organic lawn control. 
I want to talk a little bit about organics because organics are, it's very, very, very important that you work with a four-step program. Okay. I know for years, you know, Scott's and many of the long companies have pushed four-step programs everywhere. They're on TV. They're, you know, you got to put a weed feed down and all of this. Organically, it's really, really important. And the reason being is it's less product putting down more often. Okay. We're feeding the soil, not the plant. So it's important that organically what we're doing is we're feeding the soil, not the plant. It's a totally different way of looking at, and it's just like what we talked with Casella Organics last week, is making your soil alive. And when we add compost to our soil in our planting beds, when we use Nutri-Mulch on our, on our planting beds, we're making the soil alive. We're adding microbes, we're adding micronutrients, and all of that. An organic lawn program, that's exactly what we're doing, is we're feeding the soil. It's the same concept as what we're doing in our gardens with building our soil. We're adding a bunch of the meals like bone meal, blood meal. All those micronutrients are mixed into these organic fertilizers. And what they do is they actually make the soil microbes and everything in the soil more active. And when the soil is more active, when our pH and lime are appropriate, all of these micronutrients are available to the lawn. Many of our weeds will actually die. Uh, you know, clover is a prime example. If our pH is right and we fertilize, it will kill the clover. Okay, so if you have a lot of clover in your lawn, Clover is a nitrogen-fixing plant. It makes its own fertilizer. That's why it grows so well, and it takes over. But if we raise our pH and fertilize, the clover will disappear. And it's the same thing if you have, uh, if you have moss in your lawn. That tells me your pH is very low and that we need to lime and then probably reseed, and the grass will grow just fine there also. Moss is a big sign that you've got a very low pH. And we find it very, very often in moist soil, under pines, oaks, areas that are acidified. Um, moist soil, it does very well in. I like a moss garden. It's a nice look, you know, but it can be somewhat invasive over time. So, you know, look for some of those signs. That will tell us from an organic standpoint where your lawn is pH-wise in a quick snapshot. Obviously, sending off a soil sample to the state of Maine, Maine Cooperative Extension. We have the test kits right in the garden centers. You can come in there free. You can request them. I think it's about $10 to send the test off. It will come back with more information than you need to know. Come into the garden center. We can explain it to you, tell you exactly what's going on in your soil. Great for vegetable gardens. Good way to kind of start things off. I'll send one off when I get my soil prepped just so I know, and then I'll do probably more nutrient kind of base stuff when I put the garden to bed. Um, hopefully things will work out just fine this year with adding some compost and some other things. But organically, we want to stick to a four-step program, which basically is about every six weeks. So we've probably missed step one at this point. So 
going forward, we probably have three steps we could do in an organic lawn program. So we're probably starting off with step two. We could start off with step one and skip the summer step two also. So, you know, come in and talk to us about organic gardening, four-step programs. Um, Espoma has a wonderful program now. Uh, They actually bought out Organica. If any of you are familiar with the brand Organica, it was around for quite some time. We sold it before. Espoma bought Organica and put it in their own bag. So it's a very similar program, but... Now we have it again, which is very nice. And, you know, once you get on a four-step program with an organic lawn, you'll have less and less weeds. Your lawn will thrive more. And you have nothing to worry about the kids. You have nothing to worry about when it comes to your well. And let's face it, you know, there's nothing to be concerned about in these organic programs. So if you have questions, please don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. You know, we've been talking about lawn control and, you know, weed control and all these things going on. Hopefully you were able to knock out your crabgrass um, this spring. If you have not, you certainly can come in with a liquid crabgrass killer at this point and kill the adult plants before they go to seed. So if you're seeing some of that along the edge of the driveway or the walkway or whatnot, we still have remedies for that. But, you know, it's certainly time to kind of get active with that before they start to go to seed. So certainly lawn is one thing that is a never-ending problem. Um, I, again, have not mowed my lawn yet. It's one of those things starting to look like a hay field. You know, I had a little problem with my lawnmower. Andy, if you're listening, my brother, I'll probably be asking to borrow your lawnmower tonight. So uh, it's kind of one of those things that uh, I'm going to do tonight. And don't hesitate to come in and talk to us today. I will be in the Yarmouth store today all day, and I'll be in the Kennebunk store all day Sunday this weekend. So just wanted to make sure that all of you guys know if you'd like to come speak with me, don't hesitate. I'll be in those two stores this weekend. Uh, We are coming up on Memorial Day. Memorial Day is a kind of special time. It's always been a kind of special time for our family just because it's such a busy time. We spend six months out of the year or eight months out of the year getting ready for Memorial Day weekend in the garden center industry. It is our Christmas. So if you will, please be patient with us. Our parking lots will be packed. Our lines will be long, we hope. And, you know, be patient with us. Um, It's certainly a busy time of year. The plants look amazing. I can't stress enough how unbelievable the plants look this year. We've had a very good growing season. There are some things that are behind. There are some things we're already selling out of. So you do want to start actively purchasing your plants because there are many gardeners out there that are doing so. We've got plenty of plants, don't get me wrong, but certainly you know, come on in, visit us in the garden center. But Memorial Day is a special time. And we're going we're gonna to definitely talk about how special it is. I can remember my grandfather. He was like a kid every single Memorial weekend. It was just he was ready. We had spent all this time and energy getting ready for this weekend. The plants always looked great. 
as they do this year, it's kind of, you can't wait to get up out of bed and get going. And Memorial Weekend is traditionally here in Maine, obviously, the start of the planting season. The start of the planting season keeps getting earlier. Our temperatures are a little bit warmer, typically. People are starting earlier. They have less time. But Memorial Weekend is always that weekend where everybody says, okay, I've got to to plant the vegetable garden, and I've got to make sure I've got the fertilizer down, and okay, I can buy my baskets for sure now, and okay, let's go ahead and get some annuals for our pots. And, you know, so it's time to start. I want to stress gardening can go all season. You can plant any time. It's all about water. So if you feel like you don't have time this weekend, it's okay. You can come during the week. We're open all the time. We don't take a break. It's uh, Memorial is a special time where we really should remember. We should remember the ones that we've lost. We, we, we should remember the good times. You know, we should remember the loved ones that we have here. The people maybe we don't see all that often. We should remember our troops, the ones that are here and the ones that we've lost, the ones who are overseas. If you get an opportunity, unfortunately, I'm always working and don't have the opportunity to go to a a nice parade, a memorial parade. If you can take time out of that, make sure and let the kids know, you know, why you might be going to that parade and what's going on. My grandfather was in the military. Many of my great uncles and, and whatnot, my father was not. Too many years being on the tractor as a child, his hearing was not, you know, and he, he not that great. And still he claims that all the time when I'm trying to get him on the radio or whatnot. Uh, I couldn't hear you. The, the tractor was going. Um, but make sure and do something special for someone. You know, it can be simple as just taking a plant to your neighbor, you know, for something that they've done. Maybe they snowblowed your driveway. And, you know, maybe doing something just special for your neighbor or a friend or someone in need, you know. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth-life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earth-Life Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. If you think a rose is a rose is a rose, you haven't seen the roses at Estabrooks. If you've been intimidated by roses in the past, those days are gone. With breakthrough varieties like Knockout and Easy Elegance, roses have never been easier to grow and more disease resistant. Add the beauty, fragrance, and sophistication of roses to your garden this season with a little help from Estabrooks. Now open in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. When it comes to a stylish home, your garden is the ultimate accessory. There's no better way to dress it up this season than with Hort Couture Tropicals and Annuals from Estabrooks. 
These chic and stylish selections are brand new this year and offer exotic blooms and foliage that have never been seen before in Maine gardens. A fun and fashionable garden is just moments away with Port Couture, now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. And we were just talking about Memorial Day and how special a time it is. And take some time out of your weekend. Uh, enjoy it with friends, obviously. Take some time to remember. Maybe uh, spoil someone along the way also. But uh, come on and visit us in the Garden Center um, whenever you have a time. Um, Beautiful Saturday. We're getting close to wrapping up. One thing I want to talk about is lily leaf beetle. Man, we're talking about all kinds of negative stuff this week, you know, all kinds of insects and disease and all that. Lily leaf beetle is a little orange beetle. I want you to go out if you have any uh, Asiatic or Oriental lilies. This has been a problem for a number of years. We do not sell Asiatic or Oriental lilies anymore because of this insect and lily leaf beetle is a little orange beetle and boy is it ferocious and it's specific to asiatic and oriental lilies it is a it it is just devastating it will go in and eat all the flower buds and if you see them they're very ferocious we do need to apply uh for them you know, bare rosin flower is a great product um, to spray on them. It systemically works. Um, we also can drench the bulbs. Um, many of the bulbs that you can buy online now are actually soaked in this product, so they're safe for the first year, but after that, you need to reapply. So, lily leaf beetle, go out, inspect your plants because they are actively feeding. It's a little orange beetle. You may see it around the soil level. It will start out as a little black. It almost looks like a spider, um, you know, and then morphs into this red beetle, okay? And it just is ferocious. It will basically come emerge out of the soil. It will start to eat all the leaves. It will eat the flower buds. If you start to see, you know, holes around the flower buds, you know you have lily leaf beetle. So get out there. Look at your lilies. I'm not talking daylilies. You don't have to be concerned on your daylilies. It's just Asiatic and Oriental lilies, those beautiful ones we see in all our florist arrangements, you know, the ones that are bright colors, oranges, yellows, pinks, uh, nice and fragrant on the Orientals. But make sure and get out there and take a look and inspect them. So big problem on lilies. And we're going to kind of, you know, work on a topic that we've kind of brought up throughout the whole show today, I think. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the next generation, the next generation of gardener. My generation, I think, has skipped gardening. My parents' generation, I think, definitely skipped a lot of gardening. The baby boomers, you know, which many of you who are listening may be out there, prospered in our society and did very well. Um, it's very, very, very important that we get back 
to growing our vegetables and growing our own plants in our yards. Vegetable gardening is something that, you know, it's my roots. It, it's I, I, My parents didn't have a vegetable garden, but I worked in a large vegetable garden farm as a kid. Now, my parents, when I was very young, always had a vegetable garden. And then as time went on, they didn't have time for a vegetable garden, and it was economical for them to buy fruits and vegetables at the store. That's kind of changed. We also have technology at our fingertips. I've always got my phone on me. My father looks at me at times and says, gosh, will you just put that thing away? I was sitting in our break room the other day, and I looked at the younger generation who was sitting around me, and no one was talking. Everybody was looking at their phone. They were on Facebook. They were checking their email. No one was really having a conversation. Now, when we're out working, everybody's talking. You know, they're having conversations about many different things. And Chris Bales from Casello Organics made a statement that really kind of stuck with me. Greens instead of screens. And I think that's that's something that we need to think about. And, you know, I need to think about that in my life. Um, technology has become ingrained in my life as as a business owner, you know, doing a radio show, uh, busy, text messages, three stores dealing with. It's constant. So hopefully my goal this year is there's going to be at least one time out of every day I sh- shut my phone off. That's going to be in my vegetable garden. And I'm going to spend that time. I'm going to spend that time without a phone. No one's going to be able to contact me. I'm going to shut it off for the hour or whatnot. I'm in there cultivating and harvesting and weeding. And hopefully I will bleed that into the time I spend with my wife and we can make that commitment to each other. I think that's important. Getting children back out into the garden is one of the most important things I think we can do. Start to train that next generation. Now, if you're someone who's never had a vegetable garden, you've never been a gardener, you consider yourself someone who has a black thumb, that's okay. We're here to help. The Independent Garden Centers of Maine, we are a group of garden centers who have banded together. We're all here to help you. It's not just Estabrooks. It's all of us. We're here to help. We want you to be successful. We want you to bring your kids in. We want to teach them. We want to make sure that you can foster an environment. There's nothing better than spending time with your kids in the garden. They learn. They get something tangible that they grow. They get to eat what they grow. And then also there's the reward of the health factor. So many different factions that that work. But don't deprive your kids and don't deprive yourself of the knowledge that gardening can give you and the rewards that it can give you. It's something that we need to pass on generation after generation after generation. I'm really, really excited and hopefully fortunate enough to have some children. And if I do, that will be a huge part to their life. Spending time out in the garden will get them out in nature, 
They'll know how to sustain and grow their own vegetables. They won't have to go to the grocery store for everything. And they'll be much healthier. And so it's been a pleasure this week. Hopefully next week we'll have some great guests coming in. Maybe some folks that, uh, you know, are involved in our beautiful Memorial Day parades and whatnot. But I want to leave you with one thing. Greens instead of screens. It's very, very important. Get out there and garden today, folks. It's a beautiful day. Again, looking out the radio station window here, not a cloud in the sky. Going to be beautiful, high 60s, low 70s today. Just a wonderful day to get out and garden. Come visit me in Yarmouth. I'll be here all day, 8.30 to 6. After I get out of this radio show, go sell some plants, enjoy myself, and I'll be in Kennebunk all day Sunday. Have a great Saturday morning and get in your garden. Fox News Radio. I'm Chris Foster. 